0: The Empire State, That's- to Forever. I'm Eric Drews broadcasting from Oshkosh, Wisconsin and we'll be joined shortly here by Matt McLean out in Eau Claire and we finally know what Super Bowl 48 is going to be and it comes as not much of a surprise for the first time in a number of years. It's a game that many of us expected to be the Super Bowl back in the offseason and that is The Seattle Seahawks taking on the Denver Broncos, and we'll address that somewhat. But more importantly, something that has been waited for for a year now, and that is the second annual Goldie Awards. I've hardly got any sleep the last couple of weeks getting calls from from Hollywood, from New York, people wanting to host the Goldies, but you'll find out just in a little bit who is going to host the very prestigious second annual Goldie Awards. But first, Matt, I think we should talk about the games that we saw yesterday, and let's just start right off into it. Maybe I'm way off base, but I'm pretty confident that Seattle's going to beat Denver.
1: Yeah, I think I am too. I mean, I don't know, it's just New England's defense isn't that good. Peyton completely tore them apart, Mm -hmm. but it's just, it's that kind of a matchup that you see with Peyton Manning where it seems like... I really think Seattle's probably only gonna to have to put up, you know, 24, 27 points to win, and Denver's defense isn't very good. Mm-hmm. I, I think I'm on, on board with you, but I, I guess I wouldn't be too surprised either way, but if I'd, I had to put my money on a side, I'd pick Seattle.
0: Yeah, and I think Denver played very well yesterday, and obviously New England was never really close, and Denver really just put the hammer to them early and often, but it almost reminded me of the 90s, when for whatever reason, the NFC Championship game was almost always after the AFC Championship game every single year, and you would watch the first game, and you'd watch Jim Harbaugh, and Neil O'Donnell, and Stan Humphreys, and Drew Bledsoe, and you're like, oh man, these are, these are some nice teams, this is kind of a fun game. And then once the second game started, about three drives in, you're like, oh yeah, here are the real teams.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that second game was insane, I mean... <laughs> I I know it wasn't, like, as dramatic as a lot of games we've seen, but that was one of my favorite games I've seen in a long time. Yeah. I mean, just the physicality and how even it was throughout. It it was just an awesome game to see. and It's so refreshing to me. I love games like that that aren't 45 to 38, and that was exactly what I was hoping for.
0: Yeah, that Seattle-San Francisco game was so good, and it sounds weird because it was kind of a messy game. There was a lot of turnovers, but it didn't feel like teams that were giving the ball away. It felt like incredibly talented defenses that were forcefully taking the ball away. And you had two really gutty young quarterbacks that were just making amazing plays with their legs and with their arms. And I'm not a huge fan, obviously, of either of those teams, but I hope that's more the future of the NFL than the Chip Kelly spread offense and the Josh McDaniels spread offense, because... That was as much fun as I've had watching a football team or a football game with teams I didn't necessarily care about uh, in a long time. And we were talking earlier this year when, like the Dallas Denver game where it's just touchdown. Touchdown! Touchdown! That's not anywhere close to as fun as a game where you genuinely have an offense and a defense that are on equal footing, and a drive can end in a long touchdown or it can end in a turnover, and it's super exciting trying to see what's going to happen.
1: Yeah, I think you're right. I mean, on that note, with uh, with the trend the NFL is going, I was thinking that same thing last night. I mean, you look at the success of these two teams, and especially if one of the or if Seattle wins the Super Bowl, that's you gotta think that's kind of the direction that people are gonna start to shift. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can do it without an elite quarterback. And I mean, look at maybe, arguably, maybe one of the, like the third best team in the league, Carolina, even is the exact same way, too. Mm-hmm. Um, there's just these teams with great defenses with, you know, a very similar type quarterback. And that, you know, I feel like we're gonna be seeing this for a long time to come, especially in the NFC. I mean, these teams aren't going anywhere. So, mm-hmm. I agree with you. Give me this any day over a shootout. I, I love that game.
0: Yeah, and kind of bringing us back to reality a little bit here, this being green and gold forever, I felt a lot less confident in the Packers' ability yeah. <laughs> to yep. quickly turn around this team after watching Seattle and San Francisco duke it out. I, I actually today am amazed that we only lost to San Francisco by three points.
1: Mm-hmm. I
0: yeah, mean, y- it just, yeah.
1: just from watching that game, I mean, you feel like we're more close to that. <laughs> I mean, you, you're lucky you have Aaron Rodgers who can maybe... I would score one of these teams some you know, yeah. once, but how are you going to get through both of them?
0: Well, and he, he had a 97 quarterback rating against the 49ers. He can't just be the best quarterback in the NFL. He's got to be like right. 1999 Kurt Warner every game to win a Super Bowl. Well,
1: yeah, I mean, you might have a 90 quarterback rating, but you've got to put up more points in that, too, that if you're going to be yeah. a team like that. I mean, that. Mm-hmm. That goes without saying. So, I mean, we've always got a chance, but if you run into a streak of, you know, playing Carolina in the wild card, Seattle in the divisional, and San Francisco in the NFC Championship game, there's absolutely <laughs> no way a team like Green Bay can win all three of those games.
0: No, definitely not. One thing I will say uh, that I maybe felt a little bit, well, actually, now that I said it, I feel worse. Uh, but I I feel a little bit better uh, about Dom Capers, I guess, having seen yesterday's game, is that it seems pretty clear from watching those two teams that there's nothing special about the 49ers or the Seattle Seahawks schematically. They just have great players. Mm-hmm. And I know that's so easy to say, hey, Ted, go get us some great players. But, like, 99 times out of 100, even a guy like Tremont Williams is not making the play that Richard Sherman made to seal the game yesterday. Yep. Um. So maybe... In defense of Dom, having watched it yesterday These are just two guys that have linebackers Who hit the hole, front seven Who beat their blockers And corners and safeties Who always play their assignment to the T And make the extra effort when they need to And I don't know how you build that But maybe that's why they've kept Dom so long Is because they believe they still can for some reason
1: Yeah, I, I completely agree I mean, those players are in a different league From what we have But at the same time, I mean, it's the environment too If you have a... If you have a great defense, the players around it are gonna, you know, set their game up and, mm-hmm. and strive to be as good as the guy next to him. Sure. Where, you know, if you've got the Charlie Pepra
0: theory from 2010. <laughs> yeah,
1: I mean, if you've got, I, I even forget what their second corner's name was who started yesterday after Browner's been out.
0: Oh yeah, I guess I, I. But if to.
1: you, I mean, if you've got Sherman and you've got Chancellor and you've got Thomas, I mean, you know, you have got to just bust your butt to be the best player you've you can be and mm-hmm. I mean, we've, we've seen it on the Ravens teams for years mm-hmm. and and now with the 49ers too if you've got great players around you you better be great and it just helps mm-hmm. so I, I you know I would definitely agree and say we need more talent but you know if Dom can get maybe a little bit more out of some of these guys it only you know goes even further for helping everybody else too
0: yeah and you really just need one I mean Seattle right now is ridiculous with how stacked they are and um makes you feel even worse that John Schneider got away uh, to to go build that team for the Seahawks after helping us do that. But, I mean, you want to be optimistic, and it's true. You, You want to say, oh my gosh, it's hopeless and these guys can't do anything. But, I mean, if they draft a Richard Sherman next year, what happens to their defense? I mean, if Clay Matthews is healthy and they draft an Earl Thomas next year, let's just... Lucky and get one And I know some people are targeting different players I'm not in draft mode yet So I can't even follow that train of thought But you get one of those guys You get an Earl Thomas Or let's say you get a Navarro Bowman Or something like that That changes everything overnight
1: yeah, yeah. I mean, for sure, I, I, we've got to get more out of our players, but we've got to have more players that our coaches can get more out of at the same time. Mm-hmm. And it's not like they're trying, but I mean, Seattle's doing it with with late round picks, and mm-hmm. not every guy in that defense is a first round pick. In fact, most of them aren't. So it, it's really impressive what they've done, and it's it's pretty hard to get where they've gotten with mm-hmm. what what they've done. I mean, it's hard to, to duplicate that, but mm-hmm. you would sure like to see to hit on. One or a couple of those players that we've drafted None of them are turning out to be like these <laughs> Seattle players It's, it's kind of hard to watch and it's almost frustrating
0: Yeah, but I guess for me on the rare occasion to be the optimist Seattle's built this whole defense in like three drafts
1: Yeah, that is true
0: So you never know, I guess
1: mm-hmm.
0: Alright, well, um, one of the other things that came out of yesterday's games Before we maybe break down uh, the AFC Championship uh, Staying in the NFC how poorly officiated was that game? And I was getting legitimately angry, and I hate both of these teams. I wanted somehow for the Carolina Panthers to end up winning that game uh, yesterday, just how little I care about San Francisco or Seattle. And I think that the last two seasons, not only with the fiasco in Seattle with the Packers' fail-mary game, but just throughout this entire season, has really, and maybe I've mentioned it on the show already, it's really crystallized to me that of all of the things that the NFL cares about, officiating is last on the list because who wins the games is of the least importance to the league office and the people who, are, who get the money. Outside of the owners of the individual teams, I was on Twitter last night and I was just reading how many people are saying it's fixed, but the, the NFL wants Seattle and Denver, and I'm like, give me a break Uh, the reason they haven't fixed the officiating is because they don't care who wins the Tennessee Titans against Tampa Bay in Super Bowl 49 will get 150 million viewers it really doesn't matter and I think it's just laziness I think they don't want to invest the money and honestly I think it's on the referees themselves and I guess the second point I will touch on and you can address both of them not only that You think maybe the NFL doesn't care, but I think the on-field officials are using instant replay as a crutch. And they don't make any decisions out there, and when they do, they take forever. If you watch old games, refs are getting the calls right a lot of time because there's no instant replay to catch them if they fall. They just make the calls, and most of the time they get them right. And I think that if either instant replay is taken out of the hands completely of the on-field, on-site officiating crew... Or it's just completely eliminated that the officiating would get way better.
1: Well, it just has such stupid stipulations in terms of like that play yesterday. Obviously, the big one that stood out—that Bowman fumble
0: recovery—not
1: mm-hmm. being reviewable—and that's why the refs are having to make you know wait to make calls because certain things are reviewable, certain things aren't. I mean, there's no way that should not be reviewable. Mm-hmm. That I think they just may, maybe need to open it up a little bit more. It's it's not that you should be able to. review you know, challenge pass interference, obviously that's a judgment call, mm-hmm. but why can't you challenge something that's
0: that clear-cut? Yeah. I, it just Anything make... that isn't a judgment call. Holding and, I, I would say holding and pass interference, everything else should be able to be uh, reviewable, I think. I've, let them review offsides, let them review false starts, let them review delay of games. All of that stuff should be reviewable, and they should have somebody off-site doing it that just phones down and says... You're wrong. I don't care what you say. Fix it. Next play.
1: Yeah. I mean, it makes no sense the way that they have it now. And I mean, that's why you'll, you know, you'll see a ref let a play go on a fumble recovery, even if they don't think, you know, it's necessarily a fumble recovery because they know if they blow it dead, you know, it's done for. Yeah. So, I mean, there's just a lot of changes that have to take place, I think. And, and you're right. I, I do like instant replay and I, I think it makes the game better because Mm-hmm. But because otherwise you're missing the calls and it's just done. Like, you say if something happens, like in the Packer game, yeah, um, against Seattle last year, it's just done. Like, well, that's a bad point because it, it was done anyways. But um, <laughs> no, but I know I mean, what
0: you mean. I mean, yeah, there, there's no justice there. They screw it up. They have a millisecond to decide. There's no safety right. net.
1: Yeah, yeah, you get my point. But uh, but yeah, I think they just need to open it up and make these things that are for some reason unreviewable just make them reviewable. Just open it up. If it's a clear cut decision, let it be challenged.
0: Yeah, absolutely, because this is horrible, and like I said, bad officiating is not probably on the NFL's radar. Maybe it will be a little bit more, but I think if Seattle didn't make them, I think they thought that after the Seattle debacle last year, you'd basically need that to happen again with the full-time officials. Well, and, had
1: that play yesterday not ended up being, you know, the yeah. resulting play after that being a fumble again, I mean, that would have been a much bigger story. It's already a huge story today, mm-hmm. and I think they would have gotten ripped quite a bit for that, but it's basically a non-factor now because the same result happened anyways, so yeah. I think they really lucked out there.
0: Oh, yeah, absolutely. That's a great point. I mean, that would have been all anybody was talking about today, if yeah. if that had ended the game. And thankfully, that didn't happen, because yesterday's game deserves to be remembered as just two really great dickish teams playing each other. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so the other things I have on my list before we get to the incredibly prestigious Goldie Awards is in the AFC game, what is Tom Brady's legacy now after the last couple of years? Because I'm trying to think of who to compare him to He's going to be his own guy that's going to prove as a strange model to others. Maybe Russell Wilson or something, who has a ton of success earlier in their career, is still awesome, but for some reason can't put it together. This is the, what, maybe the third or fourth year in a row? I guess if you count Super Bowl 46, this is like the fourth year in a row where Brady has just been unbelievable and then gets to late in the playoffs and not only not effective, but they can't score 14 points, it seems like. 16 this year, they had, what, 14 last year. They had in the Super Bowl against the Giants, they scored 17 when they were scoring over 30 in the regular season, and they were one of the highest scoring teams in the NFL in 2010 and got beat by the Jets, I think, 28-21, and two of those touchdowns were in garbage time. I don't know where he stands anymore, and maybe this is a tease for an offseason show where we can talk about the, our own personal list of top ten quarterbacks of all time, but he is going to be the strangest guy to try to place in an all-time list because he won a lot of Super Bowls when he had a great, great defense, and he's done a lot of great things. But holy smokes, is he in the Peyton Manning, Steve Young kind of category of what the hell happens to this guy in the playoffs <laughs> here in yeah. his later part of his career?
1: Well, and I mean, if Peyton wins it this year, he's gonna be the guy next year that everybody won't stop talking about. Yeah. You know, actually, let's take a closer look at this. He's not doing so hot in the playoffs. I Even though if they beat Bryant
0: Seattle, he does. If, if, if Peyton's 500, if Seattle beats him, he's under 500 again. For, for his playoff career. Uh, so so yeah,
1: I think Brady, and since they won the Super Bowl last, I'm, he's pretty close to that as well.
0: Uh huh. Um, But I mean, he just has
1: these games every single year, it seems like now, where he's just, he can't do anything. Denver's defense isn't any good, (laughs) and for whatever reason, yesterday, I mean, the offensive line wasn't great, but he was missing open receivers, Mm -hmm. and it was just, it was just not great, and this is a guy who was, you know, I think by 07, everybody pretty much would have said he's going to be top five all time, Mm -hmm. and since then, I mean, he can't crack the code I mean he's been to the Super Bowl a couple times hasn't won has had these awful games mm-hmm. and it's it's the weirdest thing I mean he's one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time still mm-hmm. but to go on a stretch like this where you're there every single year and he can't get it done anymore
0: yeah he was 10 and0 when they took the field against the Broncos in the divisional round of the 05 playoffs oh. he was 10 and0 as a playoff starter and he's got to be what 500 since then. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, so his his overall record is still great, but you know it's one of those things where you look at Favre's overall record. I think it, Favre's 13 and 11 or something like that in his career. And when Holmgren was here, he was like, what nine and nine and four or something like that. I mean, ten and four, like a really really good record, and then just couldn't do anything in the latter part of his career. And Favre failed spectacularly. And Brady just seems to be. Yeah, like Steve Young or like Peyton Manning, where he just isn't very... He's just another guy in the playoffs. Yeah. And he had one throw to Edelman that, in the regular season or five years ago, would have been a touchdown. And yesterday he overthrew him by 10 yards, wide open, running down the sideline. And it felt yeah, like that yeah, happened that multiple times. Yeah. Uh, so I think that would be a good off-season show for us to do sometime, is our own uh, thoughts of the top 10 quarterbacks of all time. Should we do that? Let's do it. Okay. Okay. Uh, we did the top ten current quarterbacks earlier this offseason, uh, prior to the 2013 season, and we had almost identical lists, except two quarterbacks were swapped out for one another. Matt had RG3, and I had Phillip Rivers. Uh, so obviously I'm pretty proud of myself for not giving up on him. And Philip Rivers this week embarrassingly was given Comeback Player of the Year despite not missing any games <laughs> the last three seasons. That is pretty embarrassing. <laughs> but, I, but I guess congratulations to him. Now even more prestigious than the Comeback Player of the Year award will be dished out right now, many of them, as it is time for... The second annual Goldie Awards. He's got time to the 10 to the F yes! to the end zone. Touchdown and a dagger! Oh my goodness! An NFC North Division Championship Dagger of 47 yards! And now, without further ado, after searching far and wide for a special guest host, we decided on Matt. I don't appreciate that.
1: <laughs> Thank you so much for prefacing it that way to make everybody think we had a special host <laughs> and now they're disappointed that it's just me here. Um, <laughs> but we've got we've got ten great categories here tonight that we're going to go over and, and hand out our awards, some of them good, some not so good. Um, I think we should probably... Start at the bottom of our list here. Does that sound good to you?
0: That sounds great.
1: Okay. So, our, our first category here is uh, the one way ticket award which which player, coach, or front office member would you like to award a one way ticket out of town? So, this was a, a fill in the blank answer. So, Eric has tallied up all the votes. And, uh, Eric, what is the results of this
0: one? Well, first, I think what we should do to kind of keep the format of last year is we're not going to get to decide this year all of us are going to get to decide we had a a bunch of people who answered the survey that we had had out there this weekend and so i guess let's give our individual answers and then i'll give what the consensus the consensus answer is so okay um i guess matt who did you give the one-way ticket award to
1: all right so my vote for the one-way ticket award was dom capers and you kind of maybe change my opinion a little bit what like you said before but I'm gonna stick with it um, I just think it's time for a change I regardless of if we have the players or not this defense is spent so bad um, I mean there's multiple players I wouldn't mind getting out but I think he's the figurehead and I think it's just time for a change so I'm gonna stick with the uh, maybe the cliche answer and say Dom capers
0: and yeah even though I kind of put some own uh, some doubt in my own mind earlier in this episode I agree with you I think that Dom is not to blame for how bad it is It's probably Ted Thompson But I think Dom just has to go at this point You have to believe That these players have lost all confidence In him and his defensive staff To stop anybody at this point point. And I think sometimes it just takes You know, look at a team like Kansas City Who did virtually nothing but add A, you know Top two-thirds quarterback to their team And went from 2-14 and 14 To Eleven and five. I think sometimes you just need somebody to come in that can instill a new attitude and provide a new boost to a team. So sorry, Dom. Um, I after a lot of years of criticizing you, I don't think it's all your fault, but I think you need a change of scenery and so do the Packers.
1: I'm assuming our uh, fill-in-the-blank answers from everybody else were fairly similar.
0: Almost unanimously, Dom Capers oh. wins the One-Way Ticket Award with one straggling vote for Morgan Burnett.
1: <laughs> nice. I can agree with that one, too. Yeah. Um, and regardless of our uh, our voting here and the Goldie going to Dom Capers, I'm sure he'll still be around for the next ten years
0: as well. Well, he'll be getting Goldies until 2030. <laughs>
1: Alrighty, next category here. Number nine is the Heimlich Award. Who was the biggest choker this season, and why? Can be for play, game, or overall season performance. Eric, what did you pick for this one?
0: I actually picked Ted Thompson primarily because of the mishandling all season from minicamp through midseason of the backup quarterback situation. Okay. How poorly he handled that. If he didn't have any confidence in B.J. Coleman or Graham Harrell, why didn't he bring in a guy like Vince Young earlier, and then why did he Ditch all of them after the preseason And then he took forever, he got Seneca Wallace, Seneca got hurt, then they went with Tolzien, and Just knowing what how Familiar Flynn was with this team He should have got Flynn the second He was available, he shouldn't have had to go to Buffalo First, we should have got him right Away, and to think that Tolzien Or Seneca Wallace was a better option Than Matt Flynn, to me, is ridiculous and I think it was Ted was way too stubborn and I think that he really botched it this team could have if you look at Flynn he went 500 so if they go 500 in the games Aaron Rodgers is not in they go 11 and five or 12 and four um, or maybe not 12 and four but they go 11-5, 10-6, then you have an opportunity where you're playing New Orleans, then maybe you're going to Carolina the next round. You don't have to play San Francisco the first round in your worst matchup. They could have had a better opportunity to maybe do something in the playoffs had they had a few extra games that would have possibly been won had he not royally screwed up the backup quarterback situation for about six months.
1: Yeah, that's a great one too. And I I remember when he got cut the first time on our show, we were like, he's gonna, they're gonna pick up Flynn. I mean, it makes no sense not to. And then Mm -hmm. for whatever reason, you know, it came and went, and he was never picked up. Mm -hmm. And and even after Rodgers went down, it took him a little bit of time, which was just shocking. So I think that's a great one. Yep. Um, I went with James Jones, and kind of I don't I don't know if I completely under you know agree with my own Mm -hmm. pick here, but what the reason I chose him is it seems like we have a lot of players on our team that are. Are great and we, we know they're great mm-hmm. and we have a lot of bad players and we know they're bad and James was one that I felt was is a great player but especially when Aaron Rodgers was down he just it was mediocre mm-hmm. and and even when he was back he's a guy that I want to step up and especially when your star quarterback's down you want your star players to step up and play the best football mm-hmm. and he was a non-factor and I know he was he was hurt a lot this year mm-hmm. um but I was just pretty disappointed with what I saw I guess he just wasn't making the spectacular catches he was making last year, mm-hmm. um, not making the big plays, and I think that really hurt the offense a lot, especially, you know, after you, you lose Greg Jennings and Donald Driver mm-hmm. and, and Finley and Cobbs out for the year, that's when a guy like this needs to step up, and I felt that he didn't.
0: Yeah, and I would agree with you there. I was the one who put together the Green and Gold Forever Goldie ballot, and I... I almost fell off my chair when I was researching it because James Jones had his career high in receiving yards this year. Really? And I didn't even know he played as many games as he played. I thought he missed like four games. He missed like two. And I think he only had like 50 catches though, right? He did, but he had 800 yards, which is more than he'd ever had. But last year he was such a big, important part of that red zone offense. He had led the NFL in touchdown catches. This year he had about 70 more yards than he had last year, but... You could have told me he missed a month, and I would have believed you, but he was out there every week almost. Mm -hmm. And I agree with all – and it happened so long ago that you forget about Randall Cobb and you forget about Jermichael Finley. I mean, he was getting outplayed by Jarrett Boykin in the middle of the season, and that can't happen for a guy who you want to – especially now that is a free agent and probably wants big money. Mm -hmm. But – all right, this is going to actually be very difficult to determine because we have a lot of different answers for this award, so we might just have to give them to everybody. Uh, we had an I don't know in there as well, which is <laughs> unacceptable for a Goldie Award. We had a vote for the entire defensive backfield. We had a vote for the Packers' defense as a whole, more specifically the defensive line, uh, for not helping the Packers get off the field. We have one for Morgan Burnett. We have... Uh, um, Aaron Rodgers is even on here, so. Wow. I guess the consensus seems to be defensively, so do we just give it to the whole defense for, you know, well the whole defense, what, what, what they were ranked like top 10 and then Aaron Rodgers got hurt and then they plummeted to 26th overall I think by the end of the season So should we just follow the kind of General consensus and give it to the whole defense
1: Yeah normally I would say no But, but I think it seems fitting I'm I'm okay with that if we don't have a clear cut winner I think that's a good idea
0: Do we have it in the budget to make and send that many different goldies we got to send 11 of them Oh man that's going to be tough But w- we can do it here at the goldies
1: Alright so I guess we have uh, Heimlich going to I guess that's more than 11 players We'll send it to everybody actually. Oh man. They all deserve one
0: I'm going to have to take out a mortgage
1: <laughs> Alrighty, awesome. Well, there goes the, there's the Goldie for that. Um, our next category is the Are You Blanking Kidding Me Award, <laughs> the worst play of the season. And this I think was my hardest choice of one here. Let me oh, go over man. the options. This is our first uh, multiple choice one. Mm-hmm. We have Terrence Newman 58 yard return touchdown of Jonathan Franklin fourth down fumble against the Bengals in September. Yeah. We have the Shea McClellan sack of Aaron Rodgers resulting in Rodgers' eight week collarbone injury. We have the JPP interception of Scott Tolzien, pass and touchdown return to clinch the Giants' win in November. Mm-hmm. We have Matt Flynn, incomplete pass as time expired after the clock management mistake to clinch the loss against the Steelers. And then lastly, Colin Kaepernick, 11-yard run on third and eight to set up the game when he field goal in the wild card round. Um, Eric, I'll go first here on this yep. one. It was super difficult for me on this one. There was, there was three. I was extremely torn between. I narrowed it down to the Terrence Newman play and the Shea McClellan play. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that the Terrence Newman play was a worse play overall, but I think just the implications of the the sack on Rodgers, breaking the collarbone, you know, in essence, almost knocking us out of the playoffs just with that. Whereas the Newman play is one loss. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think. As much as the Newman play stunk and the uh, Flynn incomplete pass against the Steelers was was really rough, I think you pretty much have to say Shane McClellan here.
0: Yeah, and that's the way I voted as well, because it really crippled the whole season, and right. it was basically what we've talked about for years that we had never experienced. What happens when the Packers' star quarterback doesn't take the field for extended an extended period of time? Mm-hmm. And... That Terrence Newman one was just complete disbelief. Yeah. But it was also week three against an AFC team. Uh, it sucked still, obviously. Um, as far as the, probably the only one of these where I actually said the namesake of this award is that Jason Pierre-Paul interception of Tolzien. Um, I can't believe that happened. That It was just one of those things where it's like, oh my gosh, we might win, we might, oh, for, I can't believe this. <laughs> I mean, that's how it felt watching that, but... Yeah. Um, all of these were just horrible. Other than the Colin Kaepernick one, it was horrible because of when it happened, but who didn't expect that to happen? Yeah, <laughs>
1: uh, exactly.
0: All right, so the fans voted with a little over 57% of the vote, Shea McLellan's sack of Aaron Rodgers uh, resulting in Rodgers' injury, and definitely got to agree with that one. The Terrence Newman, Jason Pierre-Paul, and Matt Flynn... Or, I'm sorry, Colin Kaepernick-Run all uh, receiving some votes, uh, each around the 15% mark. And uh, Matt Flynn is off the hook. Nobody was very upset about that. Nobody voted for that one.
1: Yeah. Uh, All right. So I I, I think it makes a lot of sense, as bad as some of those other ones were. Mm -hmm. The good thing, though, is while there was a lot of extremely bad plays this year, there was a lot of historically great plays Mm -hmm. as well. So our number number four category here is the, and I'll try my best here, (laughs) yes award. So as, as those of you who are able to listen to Packers radio, Larry McCarron, pretty much every time they have a game-winning play, just starts yelling.
0: <laughs> and that's
1: what this, uh, this Goldie is named after. First, so our choices for this one are Mika Hyde, 93-yard punt return touchdown, which is the second-longest in NFL all season against the Vikings in October. Uh, the Matt Flynn, 28-yard completion to James Jones on 4th and 6th with a minute 14 remaining to set up the time field goal against the Vikings November 20th. Jared Bush, interception of Matt Ryan with 11 seconds left in the fourth to clinch their first win in a month against the Falcons. Uh, Tremont Williams, interception of Tony Romo with one twenty four left in the fourth in the biggest comeback in franchise history against the Cowboys, obviously. And then lastly, the Aaron Rodgers 48-yard touchdown pass to Randall Cobb against the Bears to win the division.
0: Do you want me to Eric, go first? what,
1: what did you have for your choice for this one?
0: Uh, this one, for me, really came down to... Tremont and to Aaron Rodgers Yeah, and I think had the referees called it properly I might even have leaned towards the Tremont Williams just because it felt like such an awesome game but you got to go with Aaron Rodgers that play is going to define this season forever it might even define the career of Randall Cobb and is going to be one of those benchmark moments for Aaron Rodgers it was the best story of this season last second touchdown pass from a guy who hasn't had a lot of those against the team that had broke his collarbone in his first game back to win the division at your oldest rival that's what sports are all about you don't get any bigger than that
1: yeah you're right I was between those two as well and I would imagine most of our listeners are are too. but uh I I wanted to say that Jermon won I mean I was so pumped up for that Mm-hmm. For that Dallas game at the end there But you, you know Aaron Rodgers Game win touchdown win the division You just don't get any bigger than that mm-hmm. And it's one of the best moments we've had in the last few years So as much as I w- was Kind of leaning towards the Tremont interception I think it's it's got to be the Rodgers 48 yard touchdown pass just an incredible
0: play And before I reveal What the fans have voted I will say that in researching These five nominees That the crowd cheer on Flynn's 28-yard completion to James Jones against the Vikings in the tie game is as loud as I've ever heard Lambeau Field over the TV broadcast. Sure. L- like, it, it, you know when you, like, put a microphone in your mouth and scream, like that sound, <laughs> where it, like, doesn't even sound like audio anymore? That's what it sounded like uh, at Lambeau Field. So people were pumped for that game, and I remember that just being such a huge play and part of the, the legend of Matt Flynn. But the fans agree with us, one of the only ones on here, unanimous Aaron Rodgers to Randall Cobb to win the division, receiving 100% of the vote. And that's not to take anything away from the other four plays, but this might win a best Packer play in the last 25 years category.
1: Sure, yeah. I mean, that one stands alone. Mm-hmm. Uh, as good as those other ones were, that one, I think it has to be unanimous. I mean, there's there's no really other way to pick a different one. So. Yep. Yep. Um, Alrighty, next category here. We have the, uh, Packers 2013 Rookie of the Year, not named Eddie Lacey. It would have been a pretty easy choice had he been, <laughs> been included in here. Um, so our choices for this Goldie are David Bakhtiari, Chris Banjo, Jonathan Franklin, Micah Hyde, and Dayton Jones.
0: Alright, you want um, me to I, go here?
1: Yeah, I can, I can go ahead here real quick. Oh, I, sure. I, I think that, uh, I think it's pretty Pretty clear cut for me And this one I'm going to pick David Bakhtiari I I think some of those Other guys had nice seasons Micah Hyde played really well I think he probably Would be my second choice But I mean He started every game This year mm-hmm. um, He was a rock over there And it is not something That we expected really When he had to go in there We thought it was going to be A, a big hole for them And for him to step in And, and be as good as he was I think is huge mm-hmm. And his value Was a lot more Than any of these other guys
0: Yeah and I think You make a good point I actually did not Vote for him Just well, because uh, I think he did a really good job, but I, it still was a little rocky at times, I think, and part of him getting beat real bad was what caused Shay McClellan to sack Eric yeah, So, I mean, but that's one play. It's not really his fault. But I actually went with Micah Hyde because I thought he gave them some much-needed depth in the secondary when Sam Shields was injured and when what Casey Hayward, who people forget probably that's even on the team, didn't even play hardly at all all season. And and if you think of Micah Hyde, he's a shoestring and a fingertip away from being one of the biggest stories on this team. He almost won the 49er game with an interception, and he almost won the Steeler game with a ridiculous kickoff return for a touchdown with, like, no time remaining. So I think that he was a couple of... Uh, he was a couple of inches away from entering into Packers folklore himself. He had the big punt return against the the Minnesota Vikings, and he almost made the two biggest plays of the year. Problem is, we've been getting a lot of almost biggest right. plays of the years from Ted's At, picks. <laughs> but had
1: he made those plays, I might have had a different answer. <laughs> well, this one,
0: yeah, absolutely, it might have been hands down Micah Hyde. Yeah. But um, well,
1: I mean, you're right, though. He had 61 tackles, and this defense desperately needed him. Mm-hmm. To play as well as he did And he did it So, I And a lot know, of those
0: might be special teams Honestly though
1: Yeah, yeah, you're right But yeah, he yeah, was a very good player this year So who do the fans say?
0: Matt, you're not getting a lot of support here Because 85% of those who uh, voted Voted for Micah Hyde Wow I shouldn't have listed the stats on that one because I think maybe more people would have voted for Bakhtiari because there's not a lot of stats you can put for a tackle. Uh, so I think that Micah Hyde was not that much better than Bakhtiari. So I think um, uh, all I know is looking at that list is how pathetic this rookie class was for the yeah, Packers. Real bad.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, Dayton Jones was, uh, I mean, he, he was, and obviously everybody was banged up, but I mean, mm-hmm. three and a half sacks and a fumble recovery, <laughs> that's terrible, And uh, but yeah, i got no argument against Micah Hyde, I'd stick with Bakhtiari, but, but yeah. Hyde was great, and I think we've got a good pair.
0: And I'm pretty sure one of Dayton Jones' sacks was when Tony Romo tripped over him when he was running from Clay Matthews
1: <laughs> Yeah, probably <laughs> So congrats to uh, to Micah Hyde. He'll be getting a, a Goldie in the mail, or at least the next time we hang out with him in person. <laughs> um, the, the next category here is the Packers' best game of the year. So we're starting to get into the root. Um, our choices for this one are Week 2, when we defeated the Redskins. Uh, Ryder sets the team passing record most total yards since uh, 62 with 580 we have Week 5 against the Detroit Lions, 22-9, dominating win over the division rival, 23rd straight win over Detroit and Wisconsin, so incredible. Mm-hmm. Um, week 8, defeating the Vikings 44-31, most points scored in 2013, and a blowout win at the final game of the Metrodome, or final Green Bay-Minnesota game in the Metrodome. Uh, week 15, defeating Dallas, uh, biggest comeback in franchise history, and Week 17, defeating the Bears to clinch the division. Eric, what do you have for this one?
0: This was by far the hardest question on our Goldie's ballot for me. And I went with the Dallas Cowboy game. The Bear game was great, it meant a lot, but we've won a lot of division titles. And we've won exciting games in our time as a fan. We never win when we're down by as much as we are down, uh, you know, 23 points. That game as much as that play to Randall Cobb is burned in my memory when I think of 2013, this game is the game for this season. That's the game I'm going to want to re-watch. That's the game that was the most fun I've had. When we won that game, you could have told me they'd get killed by the Steelers and the Bears and the season would be over, and I would not have cared. There's nothing that could have happened to this season after they beat the Dallas Cowboys that would have tarnished that victory for me. Backup quarterback in Dallas, down 26-3 to at halftime, absolutely unbelievable. Uh, when I think of this season, I'm going to think of that bomb to Randall Cobb, and I'm going to think of that game. I want to watch it right now, just talking about it.
1: Yeah, and I actually picked the same one as you, too, and I think it's a, for a lot of the same reasons that you said. You know, We've won the division a bunch of times, and I think we both honestly thought that this team didn't have a great chance at making a run. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, you win the division, you get into the playoffs, and we both... You know, thought it was going to be short-lived. Whereas this Dallas game, you're down 26 to three with your backup quarterback in the game. Coming into the game, we didn't think they had a chance, and then at halftime, it's already done.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: to have that that big of a comeback in that much of an improbable situation was unlike that we've seen it, anything we've seen as a Packer fan so far. Mm-hmm. Um, it was the most fun I had watching a game this year. It was the most excited I, I got watching a game this year, and I guess that's my deciding factor. Mm-hmm. Is I was jumping around, running around during that game more than I was during any other game. And it's it's definitely between the Cowboys and Bears game, but this one was, like you said, this was my game for this year that I'm going to remember forever, so I choose Dallas.
0: And the fans, in a very tightly contested vote, with 57% of the vote, choose the Dallas Cowboys uh, nice. as the biggest game. The Bears game got all the rest of the votes with 43%. So it was a, it was a pretty closely contested vote, but um, both games are great. And I think I'm at the point maybe with I had lower expectations this year as normally I remember the playoff losses, but whenever I think of 2013, even the bitterness of having just lost in the playoffs two weeks ago, I can't get Dallas and Chicago out of my mind, and I guess I'm glad about that.
1: So I think we'll uh, we'll give this award to Matt Flynn on behalf of that game here, or uh, or maybe somebody in the secondary. But um, Tremont gets
0: one too, I think. Well, yeah. and and that Sam Shields pick was pretty phenomenal. Right. So
1: there, yeah, we'll get we'll we'll hand out three of them. We're gonna have no money left for next year's goldies <laughs> at this point, but that's okay.
0: It, they'll be the Silveries next year. Yep.
1: All right. So our our next category here, and um, this one is the most offensive player of the year, so not offensive player of the year, but the most disappointing or worst player. So who offended you most, Eric? Was it Morgan Burnett, Don Barclay, A.J. Hawk, M.D. Jennings, or B.J. Rashi? A lot of good choices here.
0: Well, Don Barclay and M.D. Jennings were horrible, but I expected nothing less, from, mm-hmm. them, or I guess nothing more from them. A.J. Hawk has been kind of meandering for his entire time here. B.J. Raji, outside of 2010, has really done the same. Uh, I think Morgan Burnett, after the surge he had at the end of last year, you felt that he finally was healthy, this was going to be his time to shine. Almost along the same timeline as both Darren Sharper and... Uh, Nick Collins, and honestly Leroy Butler, where he's finally coming into his own at the end of 2012 in his third season. He's going to be a force to be reckoned with for years to come, and he comes out there and he's he's just brutal this year. And I don't know if it's because he's working with M.D. Jennings or if because he just overstepped his bounds last year, but he's horrible, and he's always out of position, he's not making tackles. When he is in position, he doesn't make the catch. Uh, That Vernon Davis touchdown in the playoff game is Exhibit 1A. It it feels like I could catch a dart more easily than he could catch an interception on some of these rocket passes. I expected him to be a field general back there, and he's been a liability.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And, I I mean, he's been one of my most frustrating players to watch over over the last few few years, even. I mean, even last year, there was at times where he was really bad. And, and to me, that's why, you know, like you said, Don Barclay, MD Jennings, yeah, expected them to be bad. AJ Hawk, I mean, he, he is what he's been, where it comes down to Raji and Burnett, and I actually chose BJ Raji here, because I have, I've never really been a big Morgan Burnett fan. I've always kind of thought he was pretty bad, and he got exposed this year, that's for sure. And I think he might be a worse player than BJ Raji, but for BJ to have the disappearing act that he had this year, where we didn't even know he was on the field, Had had basically no impact for a guy who was a couple years ago. He, you know, he came out and he was in the spotlight and he had the big play against the Bears and he was considered an elite defensive tackle. And all of a sudden he's nowhere to be found. Yeah. And um, I guess that's just really frustrating to me. So that's why I chose him for this one.
0: Yeah, and I I think you make some great points. Dude was ninth pick in the draft. Mm -hmm. And
1: and we thought we had something. and And what happened?
0: Yeah, I I don't know. Nothing happened. That's the problem.
1: It seems like, you know, there's other players around him playing better. I mean, Mike Daniels and all these guys are cycling in, and they're making a whole lot more plays than he's making. I mean, he's basically been the weakest link on the defensive line.
0: Mm -hmm. Well, the fans have spoken, and with 58% of the vote, Morgan Burnett is the most offensive player of the year. Uh, Don Barclay and M.D. Jennings were spared by our fans. They must have had the same line of thinking as we did, that they were just too inconsequential to really hate on. Mm-hmm. A.J. Hawk receiving 28% of the vote, and uh, B.J. Raji only getting 14% of the vote, but I think it's because most of the fans figured he was injured all season. Um, and, and Morgan <laughs> I, Burnett I I was going lose this
1: one. I knew Burnett was going to win that one, and I think A.J. Hawk always gets the hate votes because nobody <laughs> can stand the guy. <laughs>
0: well, and I but, think uh, it's kind of tiered. The the more obvious parts, unless you're a big-time football fan or you're rewatching the games Or you have an agenda, you're not noticing B.J. Raji just getting blocked and doing nothing mm-hmm. You're noticing A.J. Hawk tackling the guy five yards down the field And you're noticing wide-open receivers running past Morgan Burnett So I yep. think it's kind of tiered in a way that if you're watching the ball It's always going to look like Morgan Burnett sucks the worst, even if they all suck <laughs> equally yeah,
1: I mean, when he, when he sucks, he, uh, he sucks big time and makes <laughs> big
0: mistakes, so.
1: Yeah, I, I don't disagree with that one at all. Yeah. Alrighty, getting down to the nitty gritty here, only three categories left and onto some of our bigger ones, and now we have some of the Player of the Year awards. So, our next one here is the 2013 Defensive Player of the Year. We have uh, for choices, Mike Daniels, who had six and a half sacks and led the defensive line in tackles. We had A.J. Hawk, so he comes from disappointing <laughs> player of the year to potential defensive player of the year. That says a lot about our defense this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, five sacks, 124 tackles, a pick, and a force fumble. Clay Matthews, seven and a half sacks, which led the team. Um, three force fumbles. Sam Shields, team leading four interceptions, 14 pass defense, and Tremont Williams, three picks, 17 pass defense, two and a half sacks, and two forced fumbles. Eric, what do you got here?
0: I actually voted for Clay Matthews. Um, He didn't play very much, but it's obvious how much of a difference this guy makes when he's on the field. Seven and a half sacks in 11 games. This team doesn't have a whole lot without him. And I know... You know, you could argue from a production standpoint That guys like Tremont Williams or honestly even A.J. Hawk Were were more important to this team Their defense is not good without Clay Matthews And even though he only played in 11 games When he's not out there, they're a bad defense When he is out there, they're a mediocre defense
1: mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think had you uh, worded this one as most valuable I would have agreed okay. with you But I yeah. think since it's player of the year I think I want to pick a guy who played in, in most of the games rather sure. than one who, you know, who missed five. So I picked Tremont Williams on this and I've been a huge Tremont fan and I was actually a little bit disappointed with the way he played this year. Mm-hmm. But I mean, the defense overall was just bad. So I I looked down the list here of, of choices and I was like, is he really who I want to choose for this? And <laughs> it is. Uh, I mean, you look at his stat line, thir- three picks, 17 pass defense, two and a half sacks, two force fumbled. He had a lot of really nice moments. Um, wasn't quite up to the level I, I was hoping for for him, but really, to me, I don't think it could have been anything else. I mean, Clay Matthews was, was your choice, and he, he missed five games, so mm-hmm. I there wasn't a lot of great choices here. So I'm not super excited about it, but I'm picking Tremont.
0: And I I feel like I've said this in the last couple of podcasts, but I've been very critical of Tremont Williams through the entirety of Green and Gold Forever, but the end of this season, specifically that Dallas game, yeah. and... Uh, in the San Francisco game, he was the best player on the field. A lot of times, when uh, you know the Packers defense and the San Francisco offense was playing, he was phenomenal in that game. Uh, he played like twenty ten Tramon Williams, and I thought he had reached his peak and that was the best he'll ever play. And he really proved me wrong. So I have high hopes for him to kind of continue this next year.
1: Yeah, let's hope so. Uh, who do our fans pick here? I'm kind of interested to hear this one.
0: I think this might be the first uh, time I've actually lost in the, our ballot here, but Tremont Williams taking nice. home 43% of the vote. Sam Shields with 14%. Clay Matthews with 14%. A.J. Hawk with 29% really? of the wow. vote. So he's second place in... Most valuable defensive player and most defensive <laughs> player on the whole team. Poor Mike Daniels did not get a vote. Uh, Six and a half sacks is pretty darn good for a defensive lineman, but yeah, uh, not
1: bad. I mean, he was the best defensive lineman. So, yeah, uh, but yeah, I mean that pretty much sums up AJ Hawk's career, though, doesn't it? I mean,
0: it really does. Yeah. Uh,
1: um, <laughs> <laughs> all right. Uh, well, well, congratulations to Tremont Williams. Um, hopefully he can you know play as well towards the end of the or next year as he did towards the end of the year this year. So mm-hmm. um, next category here is we have the Packers best offensive player of the year. So the offensive MVP here. Um, so not offensive but offensive. We have <laughs> Jared Boykin, 49 catches, 681 yards, three touchdowns. Mason Crosby uh, was 33 of 37 and fifth in the NFL in scoring. James Jones, 59 catches, three touchdowns, 817 yards. Eddie Lacy. Uh, just under 1,200 yards, 11 touchdowns, and 4.1 yards per carry. Also had 35 catches. And Jordy Nelson with 85 catches for 1,300 yards and 8 touchdowns. Mm-hmm. Eric, who you got here? Uh,
0: I really wanted to vote for Jordy, but I was looking at his touchdown total, and all but one were when Aaron Rodgers was the quarterback. So I still think he was really good, and the Packers didn't throw a lot of touchdowns when Aaron Rodgers wasn't here but you would have like to see a little bit more of him uh, with these bad quarterbacks. I mean, if Larry Fitzgerald can become a Hall of Famer catching passes from John Skelton and Matt Leinart, mm. then you think if Jordy's going to take that next le- uh, step to be an elite quarterback, certainly he can have a little bit more production with Matt Flynn at quarterback. I picked Eddie Lacy. The guy was phenomenal. Um, I don't know what the future holds for this guy because... He seems a little John Brockington-esque where he doesn't have enough speed to get away from the pounding that he's taking from getting the ball so often. So hopefully with Rodgers having a full season, he doesn't get beat up as much next year. I love watching him run. It's been so fun after having Amon Green what seems like an eternity ago to have a really good dominant running back who really took over games and I'm a huge Eddie Lacey fan. He He's awesome. We wanted him before the draft, and it's one of the only times I can remember that one of the players we actually wanted ended up being on our team, and he came through. Uh, you ex- you predicted he would gain 1,000 yards this year, so maybe you expected right. it. I didn't expect him to be this good. He's awesome.
1: Yeah, and I agree with you there. I, I could have maybe seen a Jordy Nelson vote here, but I think Eddie Lacey was the clear choice. Um, I mean, to gain... 1,200 yards, and especially really helping the team out a lot more than Jordy did when when Aaron Rodgers was out, Mm -hmm. and for a running back for the Packers to have over four yards a carry is just great, Mm -hmm. Um, we haven't seen that in a while, at least not with this many carries, so 11 touchdowns, he led this offense all season long when Rodgers was in, or whether he wasn't in, um, he was still as good of a player, so we really lucked out by getting him this year. I mean, imagine had they banked on Jonathan Franklin from what you know oh. we saw from him this year. They probably would have been in big trouble when, uh, yeah, um, you know, they, they, good chance they didn't even make the playoffs had they not drafted Lacey. So I think he's my uh, offensive player of the year.
0: Yeah, and he is just the anti-McCarthy Packer. Mm-hmm. The McCarthy Packers are fast, quick, uh, they're powerful in space They can beat one-on-one people But they're not bowling over anybody And finally we got a sledgehammer To go with the, that finesse That says, hey, you think you're just going to go out there And you're going to fight one-on-one With James Jones or Jordy Nelson Or you're going to come trip up Alex Green or, or Ryan Grant or whatever No, we're going to just stuff it down your throat And I really like The dynamic of this offense Next season
1: yeah, I mean, that's exactly what we needed. We've seen James Starks and, and those guys running backwards for three years, and now you've got a guy that can run forward and pick up yards. So I, mm-hmm. if he can stay healthy, I mean, this could be something really special here going forward. So Absolutely. congrats to Eddie Lacy there.
0: You just mentioned um, staying healthy. My biggest choker should have been the, the training staff.
1: Oh, yeah, that would have been a great one. I'd, we better hope that we're not talking about this as much next year, too, and it'd be just uh, ridiculous.
0: Yeah. Um, but anyways, the fans... Voted very similarly to the pro football writers in the 2007 MVP vote Where Tom Brady got all but one of the votes for the award uh, And then Brett Favre got the other So can you guess which of the other four got the one vote?
1: I, I'm... Think it would make sense for it to be Jordy, but for the reason, the way you asked that, <laughs> I almost feel like it's somebody else. But I'll say Jordy just because it makes the most sense.
0: Mason Crosby.
1: Uh, it was, uh, that was what I was gonna guess.
0: <laughs> I guess he had a really good season. He did. Um, so whoever voted going for going into the
1: regular season, I mean, we were doing nothing but ripping on the guy, and he's been bad. So that was that was a huge win for the Packers to have him come back around. So way to go, Mason! You're in that one vote.
0: You know what, though, I feel like the Mason Crosby being this great. Has Ted sitting in his office saying I bet you B.J. Raji, Morgan Burnett They're all going to go to the Pro Bowl next year They just need another year to figure it all out
1: (laughs) Uh, But congrats to Eddie Lacey winning a Goldie His first one, first year, that doesn't happen very often and It's not even a rookie of the year one, that's awesome, way to go Eddie
0: Most people have to build themselves up to get a Goldie I mean, we don't just give them out to Johnny Come (laughs)
1: Lately We didn't. we didn't already hand one out to every single member of the defense so they're, they're <laughs> tough to come by.
0: We'll give them little mini ones like ones you could get for a quarter and like a machine at the grocery store
1: okay they have to
0: they good. have to build up to get the big one.
1: so if our goldies come in different sizes this one's the biggest one. <laughs> this is the uh, the 2013 Packers team MVP um, so we'll go down the list here quick for these ones our last Goldie we have Matt Flynn so although only two and two is a starter, 86.1 passer rating, led the largest comeback in franchise history, and in all essence kept the Packers in the playoff race and helped them get there. Mm-hmm. Um, second choice is Eddie Lacy. NFL Rookie, Offensive Rookie of the Year, uh, 1,178 rushing yards again with 11 touchdowns. Uh, Jordy Nelson, 85 catches, 1,300 yards, 8 touchdowns, led the team in all of those categories. Aaron Rodgers, 6-2 and two in games he started and finished. 104 quarterback rating. And 17-6 and for touchdown-to-interception ratio. And Tremont Williams, same stat line as before. Three picks, 17 pass defense, two and a half sacks, and two forced fumbles.
0: All right, am I going first this time? Yeah, go ahead. And now I feel kind of silly because you did kind of call me out on, well, no, no, this one is MVP. Okay, I voted Aaron Rodgers. Okay. Because... As much as Eddie Lacy was great, and Jordy Nelson was great all year, and Tremont Williams played really well towards the backstretch and was probably uh, second to Clay Matthews, the best defensive player all year, they're not even close if Aaron Rodgers doesn't play out of his mind for the first half of the season and give them a lead that will keep them afloat as the Bears and Lions drown. And so I think that... This year, more than any, illustrates that this team is right down there with Tennessee and the Lions and the Rams and whoever else if number 12 is not taking snaps. I love Matt Flynn. I love Eddie Lacy. I love Jordy Nelson. I love Tremont Williams. When Aaron Rodgers ain't on the team, the Green Bay Packers aren't a playoff team. And he got all but three of the wins for the Packers this year, and he only played half the season.
1: Yeah, and that's a great choice, too. Um, and I was going between those for most valuable. I mean, he's clearly the most valuable player on the team. Um, but I chose Eddie Lacy for this one, too. I hate to be redundant, but I just, I think without him on the roster, when Rodgers was out, they, they've they got no chance. And maybe even when Rodgers was in, they've got no chance to make the playoffs. I don't know. Yeah. But it, to me, Rodgers played really well and obviously finished strong in that Bears game, but He was a little slower at times. I hate to to rag on him with a hundred four quarterback rating, but I mean, seventeen touchdowns and and over eight games played is very good. But it's it's kind of on Rogers. like you, you almost expect a little bit more at this point, I guess. And again, I don't want to nitpick. He had a very good year, and he's clearly the most valuable player on the team. But I'm choosing Eddie Lacy for the 2013 season because I think without him, this team wasn't in the playoffs, and I think it was again a great find for the Packers. Mm -hmm. And I think that. They needed him to be on this team this year, so I'm choosing Lacey again.
0: And I, I think that's definitely a, a fair choice. Uh, before we criticize Aaron Rodgers too much, I feel like I'm the number one critic of Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, for, you definitely are. Um, oh, I just knocked my mic off for a second there. <laughs> but Rodgers, with the 17-6, and six, if you expand that out to a 16-game season, that's 34 touchdowns, 12 picks. Uh, that's still really good. and. Yeah. Rogers in 2011 and 2012, let me see if I can do the math real quick in my head. He had 80, 84 touchdown passes to only 15 interceptions. I mean, that's, I looked it up and I, I didn't do a blog post on it, but that is far and away the best touchdown to interception ratio over a two year stretch in the history of the NFL. I mean, that's including Tom Brady's 50 and 8, and Manning's 49 and 10. So, this is kind of the normal elite level as opposed to the Madden on easy elite level that he'd been playing at the last two years. Um, but still, phenomenal. Um, well, I
1: want more of that then.
0: Well, <laughs> he'll try better next year.
1: Good. Good. I, I, to me, I I know the numbers are pretty good, but to me at times, even when he wasn't there, it just seemed like they started so darn slow, and it was so frustrating to watch at times. The offense overall, I just, I have a bad taste in my mouth from this year overall, and I maybe I'm taking it out on Aaron Rodgers, but even when he was in there, I just felt like it wasn't quite the same as it had normally been.
0: Yeah, and and I would agree with that. And the numbers suggest last year they were one of the, they were far and away the best team in the red zone. Uh, they had like. I don't know, 10 or 11 more touchdowns in the red zone than the second-place team, and this year they were, like, in the 20s as far as red zone production. So I think that's probably why we notice it more a little bit. But the fans agree with you, Matt, that Eddie Lacy, with 72% of the vote, is the Packers' team MVP. Aaron Rodgers also receiving votes and Matt Flynn also receiving votes. I really wanted to give it to Matt Flynn, but I can't call him the MVP. He's more like the respirator of right. the 2013 Green Bay Packers. They definitely don't make the playoffs without Matt Flynn. But true. I, it, it, to me, it either had to be Eddie Lacy or Aaron Rodgers, and I'm, I'm comfortable with Eddie Lacy. Mm-hmm.
1: Okay. Well, congrats, Eddie Lacy. He wins the big one.
0: Oh, man. So does he get to be on the stage waving as we go off the air?
1: Yeah, we can we can make that happen.
0: <laughs> okay. Um how, how do we end the goldies? Like, do, we, do we have a skit or sponsors?
1: <laughs> you were going to sing a song, I think.
0: <laughs> I I think I'll just play the song. They, they stopped them. them. They stopped, they them. stopped them. And there it is. So that wraps up the second annual Goldie Awards, and that's the way the 2013 Packers season ends, at least for listeners of Green and Gold Forever. We still have one NFL game left, and that is the Super Bowl. And now I know we both said earlier that we expect the Seattle Seahawks to win. Um, what do you think the weather's going to be like? Have you heard anything about that? I, I haven't
1: really yet. I could maybe try to look it up real quick, but I, I would imagine it's going to be pretty cold.
0: Do you think that definitely favors Seattle?
1: Oh, absolutely. I think it does. I, I don't know. I just seen Peyton's big red forehead and his face <laughs> all red. Just, I just picture a game where all of a sudden it's, uh, it's just out of hand and they somehow lose like 34 to 10 or something.
0: Aren't you going to feel bad for Peyton if they lose?
1: Yeah. And I have, uh, I've been cheering kind of against Denver all year. Even though he won me a fantasy championship this year, I've just, <laughs> I've had a hard time getting on board. But, um, I, I, I just want to see him win one now. I don't know what, what changed my mind, but I'm going to be rooting for him, and I, I kind of hope he pulls it off.
0: I think what changed my mind is Richard Sherman using the choke form and yelling at Aaron Andrews. and Yeah, maybe. What do you think of all that stuff? I guess
1: I didn't like when he went up to Crabtree and smacked him on the butt and got in his face, but I, I mean the comments really don't bother me at all. In fact, I wouldn't mind seeing a little bit more than the NFL, it makes him more <laughs> exciting. Yeah, I mean, he sounded sure. kind of like an idiot when he did it, but
0: <laughs> you need villains.
1: It, yeah, I mean, it, it adds a little bit of entertainment, and everything I've heard from this guy is he's actually a really smart dude. So mm-hmm. um, he kind of plans these things. So I don't know; it doesn't bother me too much. He's a good enough player; he can get away with it. I mean, after you just locked up to a chance to get to the Super Bowl, don't go and you know smack the other the other players, but from what I've heard, they had a little pre-existing beef before that, so mm-hmm. I guess I can kind of understand it, and um, and I actually just looked up the uh, February 2nd, and it looks like we have a high of 39 with a low of 20.
0: Oh, it could have been worse.
1: Yeah, it's not so bad.
0: Yeah, well, all the suits and those wussies from Florida probably can't handle it like we can up here yeah, in Wisconsin. That's right. <laughs> just one thing on Richard Sherman, I kind of agree, and yesterday... I wasn't angry or anything, but I'm like, oh, come on. But at the same point, I'm a, I don't even compete that much, and I'm a very competitive person, and I'm not at the top of anything that anybody competes at. You know, I'm not gonna be beating anybody in any kind of elite competition, and if I tipped a pass that was intercepted to go to the Super Bowl with 65,000 people cheering for me, I don't know how I would react. I right. might even make Richard Sherman look like, you know, Barry Sanders <laughs> flipping the ball to the referee after something right. like that. Yeah, but, I
1: mean there's so much adrenaline at that point. I can't even imagine. Especially, I mean when you're going up against somebody like that, you're talking smack all game and you get just get your blood is just boiling and oh, if yeah. you get that last one up. Um it's it's probably pretty hard to hold back. So I guess I can at least relate a little
0: bit. Well, and he's at least at an elite level. He's not like that dude that was holding out his Bucknell jersey way back when, you know, just saying, oh, Bucknell, here we are. You know, I I always think of the the jersey pullout for these, you know, VCU kind of teams in the NCAA tournament I always find more ridiculous than anybody at the pro level going nuts. Yeah. All right, so let's wrap it up, I guess. Stay tuned to the website in the weeks between the Super Bowl, because I actually have some posts that I'm going to make, uh, Super Bowl-related. As Matt knows, I'm a little bit obsessed with the Super Bowl. I have been really? since I was... Uh, <laughs> yeah, did, did you not know that? <laughs> uh, I have been since I was uh, young, so I already have some stuff ready to go that I'm just waiting to post. So uh, stay tuned to the website, stay tuned to the Facebook page. Where you can find the website is... Green Gold Forever. That's the number four. dot podbean. dot com. You can also go to the Facebook page, uh, facebook. dot com slash Green and Gold Forever Podcast, and that's where all this stuff will be accessible. Leave us a comment. Let us know what you thought of the Goldies, and uh, hopefully you'll enjoy the Super Bowl. So, what do you think, Matt? We'll uh, get back in touch with everybody after the Super Bowl. Yeah, that sounds pretty
1: good. And and by the way, we both chose the Super Bowl correctly, didn't we?
0: Yeah, prior to the season.
1: Uh, and. Uh, who cho- we chose differently, didn't we? I don't remember who chose who to win.
0: I believe I picked Seattle and you picked Denver. Oh, you
1: would. All right. Well, I guess <laughs> <laughs> I, I guess I'm cheering for Denver, But that's pretty good. I mean, not that it was that outlandish of a pick, but we both got it right. Way to go, us.
0: Well, we actually had New England against Denver as our AFC title game, and you had Seattle beating New Orleans, and I had Seattle beating the Falcons, almost uh-huh. having them beat San Francisco, but. We both had Houston in the divisional round, so I don't think we should be too happy about that. Who would who who didn't have Houston in the divisional right. round though? Come yeah. on. Uh but yeah, this year very I've been asking for this for years to kinda say where are the dominant teams and <clears throat> excuse me. I'm actually kinda glad it's here. I, I I don't remember the last time I've been this excited for a non Packer Super Bowl.
1: Yeah, it's gonna be a good one.
0: Yeah, so hopefully it ends up being that way. Maybe we'll get some snow and whatever, but All right, well, thanks for tuning in for the Goldie Awards and the, I guess, now official end to the 2013 Green Bay Packers. Hopefully everybody enjoys the Super Bowl, and we'll catch you in a couple of weeks. Thanks for listening, everybody. Take care.